0: all right, I haven't even gotten to meet some of these guys. They've all met my uh my sons and uh my daughter in law but i uh <clears throat> I'm looking forward to meeting some of you guys over the summer and seeing how good of ice cream you can make <laughs> Jed and I went last summer and uh served in the uh in the snack shop that's the place to serve right there that's like Serve in the snack shop, have as much as you want. <clears throat> Serve one, eat one. That's kind of my motto. Uh but uh today's a little different. Today uh is just a guy in his Bible, and uh and so every now and then um I I want to kind of do what we would call a one-off. Uh normally we do a, a series and, and talk about different things. Um but today um, I just wanted to take kind of a time out and talk about something that if you've been a part of the crossing for a long time, uh, you know, this is not going to be new to you, but hopefully a great refresher for you uh, if you're new to the crossing. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is uh, because we have a lot of n- newer folks coming and, uh, and it's just good for you to, to understand and to know the culture that uh, we're trying to create. And, and, and so um, that's what today is really all about. And if you're joining in online, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, last week, in fact, yesterday morning, Jen and I got back uh, from our trip to Alaska at 2 o'clock yesterday morning. And uh, we had a great time on uh, the fourth largest ship in the world. Uh, and and it, was, it was huge. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. It was. It had a theater in it. It had two different theaters, one on each end of the ship. One theater, they spent thirty-three million dollars on that one theater. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing. Um, and uh, so, anyway, I love, uh, I love. we we've, we've gone on three cruises now. I love going on a cruise because it's a melting pot of the world. Every ethnicity. Uh, Knowing the man in the world is on that ship somewhere, and uh, every different language and uh, it, it's just it 's just fun to hang out with a bunch of different people and that that uh, uh, were raised totally different than than I was and, and probably see the world much differently than I do and uh, and just being able to, to to hang out with them and uh, and vacation together. And one of the things that I love about the Crossing is the Crossing is a melting pot as well. The Crossing is a melting pot of every denominational background known to man. Um all every every background from, you know, Catholic background to my Baptist background and everything in between and uh and and I and I love that. And 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 the thing that that I think is uh by god 's grace, uh, the crossing has a reputation of being a very welcoming church, but that doesn 't happen by accident that that doesn 't happen just coincidentally or accidentally um, that happens very intentionally and, and I, and I want to talk about um, one of the primary Things that we you know want to accomplish together and uh, that that make for an environment that is irresistible, and that 's what we 've said is this mission that we 're on to see people meet, follow and love jesus we can 't make anybody do that that 's impossible for us to make someone make make someone do that. All we can do is create an irresistible environment where where hopefully people would want to come and people that don't even have a relationship with God or maybe feel like they're a long ways from God or maybe they walked away from God and they're kind of coming back, uh, they would want to come or they would feel welcome. And one of the primary ways that we could create an irresistible environment is in the way that you and I interact with people um, as they come in the doors of this building and they gather with the church. Now, you know, the, the church, unfortunately, and when I say the church, I'm just saying the the church broadly, I'm not talking about any specific church, just the church in a broad sense has a reputation of of being very resistible. It has an unfortunate reputation of not being very welcoming. And, and I guess I, I kind of wanted to share a little bit of why I think that is and, and some things that we can do that that hopefully would be different um, and it's interesting you know the different backgrounds typically you know when 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 you interact with someone that doesn't have the same background that you have or they have a different tradition than what you have sometimes we look down on them like our traditions better than their Tradition. I remember the first time I did not grow up in a hand raising church. This was not a part of the deal. Like, like that was like, woo! What? And I remember the first time I went to a hand raising church, and I was looking at those people like, what is wrong with you? I mean, what, you don't, you you don't do that in church. I mean. And, and you just kind of assume the way that you grew up is the way that everybody grew up, you know, and they should just know that's not what you do. And and uh, it's kind of funny. So um, looking back now, it's it's really kind of funny. We, you know, we sang this song, um, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto the Lord. Now, we never shouted. The only one that ever shouted was the preacher. That was, the, no, no one ever was shouting, but... But the song said to shout, which was interesting, and the song said to clap your hands, which none of us did because we were not in a hand-raising church or a clapping church for that matter. So, you know, it was like, clap your hands, all you people, and no one was clapping. It was just weird. So, you know, it was it was, it was bizarre, but um, the tradition I grew up in, and, I, and it wasn't just specific to the tradition I grew up in, it was kind of the you know the broad church tradition of that time. I think, um, and I th- and I, I got to give them the benefit of the doubt of where this started or why it started. Um, but you dressed up to go to church, and and I think the the thought or the the motive behind that was pure. It was, you know, we want to honor God, and so we're going to bring God our best. So we're gonna we're gonna dress up, which maybe that was a you know an honest way to start but it grew into something that wasn't very great because all of a sudden there was it was obvious to people of the people who had means and the people who didn't have means the people who had the socio economic the economic status to be able to you know outfit their entire family in really nice clothes and and, uh, and, and then those that, mm, not so much. Those that were able to shop at the stores that really were really pretty nice. And then, you know, the Goodwill shops, the Salvation Army shops. It's like, eh. And, and the women, you know, they, whew, they dress to impress. Right I mean it was all, it was like a, it turned into like this competition i mean i mean the, the the women were coming, it was like it's like, which you know could you afford that dress? You mm, I can't really afford that dress, and I mean that dress, whoo, boy, did you see what they showed up in? Did you see what they drove to church and and without even trying it 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 turned into a socioeconomic class of These are the people that kind of have it going on, and these are the people that kind of don't really have it going on, and the people that have it going on kind of started looking down on the people that didn't really necessarily have it going on, and you begin, because that's the way our world works, you attribute value to different classes, and those that have, you ascribe value. And those that don't, you don't necessarily ascribe value. One of the the biggest tragedies, I think, in, in my lifetime is to listen to people that I have invited to church that have told me specifically they didn't have anything nice enough to go to church in. What a tragedy that we... We create an environment that tells people that you're not valued, you're not wanted, and you're not accepted. If you don't look right, if you can't afford the right stuff, you don't belong. So I I understand that, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe it started with pure motives, but it turned into something that really has hampered the church, and the church has become known as something that is very resistible in its environments. It's known as some, some places that it's not welcoming, that everyone isn't welcome to come. And it's so interesting because it's, it's not Jesus. I mean, Jesus isn't this way at all. And and I you know, I, I think people didn't necessarily intend for it to turn into this, but somehow it did. And we're still, even though our culture has moved away from the dress up to go to church, the the after effects, the shadow of that, the shrapnel of that is still very much going on. It's kind of interesting, the first century, in fact, the early church, they dealt with the same type of stuff. And really, at its core, it has to do with value, and at its core, it's a heart issue. And James, the brother of Jesus, who was ministering in the first church in Jerusalem, he talks about this in James chapter 2, and if you have your Bibles, you can open them. If you have your your U version, you can open that on your device. We're going to be in James chapter 2 and verse 1. James says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? In other words, what James is going to say is, this isn't a money problem. This, This isn't a, you know, you have and you don't problem. This is a spiritual problem. Behind this, it is a spiritual problem because you are not looking at people through Jesus' lens of how he views people. And consequently, since you're not, you're looking at people only from a human point of view. You are not ascribing the value that God has given them when he created them. And since you're not, you are treating them in a way that is dishonoring to God in a sinful way but at its core this is a spiritual problem it reflects a matter of our heart and you might say well eric come on give me a break i you know what i'm so past i don't i don't look at race i i don't look at what you know someone's wearing or you know, I, 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 I value people, and, and that might be true. And, and here's what I find. Isn't it interesting when you go to a place for the first time, you park? Like all of you Maranatha guys, folks, You this first time here, you found your place to park. You just need to know you found two places to park, one in the parking lot and one in here. You've parked twice now. And so here's what you need to know. You're going to want to park in the same spot every single Sunday now. So I hope you chose wisely. But here's what happens. Now, you may not have known this, but you may have taken someone else's parking spot. And they're a little ticked off this morning. In fact, they're kind of like, I can't worship God. Because I didn't get to park in my first parking spot, and then I came inside, and I didn't get to park my rear end in my seat. I have been in churches where where people have walked up to other people and told them they were sitting in their seat. That is one of the most God-awful things I could ever imagine someone saying to someone else. Period. But alone in a church gathering, do you want to you create a resistible environment? That's how you do it. You're sitting, you parked in my parking spot, you sat in my seat. In other words, you're not wanted here, you don't belong here, you're not valued here, we don't want you. Go away. And James just says that's a heart issue. That's a ugh, ugly heart issue. And behind it, it is a spiritual issue because it reflects a heart that doesn't look anything like our Lord. Jesus Christ. And so, James just, he gives an example. He's kind of like, look, this could flesh itself out in all kinds of different ways. For us, it's, you know, parking spots or, you know, know, taking our seat, or we, you know, have an idea of what people should look like in fact, we kind of have personal preferences of what people should look like. And when people walk in the door that don't look like the box that we've created that people should look like, we will not, you know, ascribe value to them and we will not interact with them. James talks about it. He says, Look, for example, in verse two, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. So, the dude walks in, and he's dressed to the dimes. He's got the expensive clothes. And then, you know, the, the, the women, they come in their expensive jewelry, and then another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. In our context, they just came in from doing chores. They just got off work. They had the midnight shift. They're just coming in. If you give special attention, there it is, isn't that what we do? If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? In other words, you give special attention, you, you give your verbal attention, you give your, your eyesight, your, your eye contact attention, you, you're willing to, to give them your time, you're willing to converse with them, but the person that doesn't look quite right, or the person who has some tats, or the person who, you know, has done some stuff to their body that's like, eh, that's not really my thing, and, but you're not, in, there's no way in the world you're going to walk over and talk to them. You're not giving them any attention. You're not going to give them your attention. James just says, Look, you've made a judgment, and doesn't your discrimination, doesn't the discrimination of your judgment show that you have evil motives? In other words, it's an issue of the heart, it's a spiritual issue. And we have our personal preferences. That's fine. We all have personal preferences. Perfectly fine. But here's where we go wrong with our personal preferences. When when we make our personal preferences God's personal preferences, and that's why we want to make our personal preferences God's personal preferences, because when they're God's personal preferences, that means I can say they should be your personal preferences. So, next week, I expect all of you to show up in Wranglers because that's God's gene of choice. <laughs> so funny. You, you, you should go on a cruise. If, if you think God you know, loves a, you know, a certain particular style of music, go on a cruise. Go on a cruise. Because every ethnicity, you know, is represented there, and every style of music. I mean, we we got to, we had classical guitar, we had piano, we had um, a a throwback to uh, uh, Stevie Wonder, just a a tribute to Stevie Wonder, awesome show. Um, We had rock, of course, which I know is God's personal preference, we had uh, we had Caribbean, we had uh, a band from Jamaica, um, we had Latin America represented. I mean, every different style of music you could think of, we got to listen to. It was wonderful. And sometimes we we, <laughs> we live in a box, and we we think that God really likes our box because our box looks an awful lot like us. Here's, here's something you can take for free. When, when we make our personal preferences God's personal preferences, and therefore, we don't have to change much of anything. Because Why? Because we have made God to like everything, and God is like we are. When God is like we are, and we don't have to really change anything because we look an awful lot like God, who is it that we're actually worshiping? Ourselves. See? And and then we just broadcast, we we we, we throw this net out to everyone else. They should look like us, they should dress like us, they should talk like us. I mean they should do their hair like us. I mean, it's just like, "Whoa." And James is just saying, "Guys, that that leads to at its core my values here, since you don't look like me, talk like me, believe like me, then." your value is here, I'm not going to come down to your value, I'm not going to interact with you right here, I'm not going to give you respect or value. I'm going to instead look down on you. And I guarantee you, in church settings, people feel it all the time. and they unintentionally create very resistible environments where people don't feel wanted, they don't feel valued, and they don't feel welcome. I think that the crossing has an opportunity to maybe flip the script. Another thing that Jesus did that created this irresistible environment where People who were far from God would, they were nothing like Jesus. They would just come and, and, and listen to him. Is Jesus allowed people to belong before they believed? Jesus allowed people to belong before they believed. And that's something the church, at least in my uh, experience, has not been very good at. We have been like, you believe then come to Bible study. Come to faith, and then come to Bible study. Come to faith, then come to church. Clean up your life, and then come and gather with the church. And until you do, you don't really belong here. Jesus wasn't like that. When Jesus called Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, he says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth, which in their day the tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. And Jesus says to Matthew, Follow me and be my disciple. That's astonishing. And what's even more astonishing is what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, look, when you come to the conclusion that I am the Christ, I am the the Messiah, the Son of the living God, then follow me and be my disciple. No. He just said, hey, come on. And all of the rest of the disciples had been like, Jesus, time out. Do you have any idea who this guy is? Like, uh uh-uh. And not only did Jesus know who he was, he knew that Matthew would invite him over to his house later, which he did. Verse 10, Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, catch this, when the religious leaders saw this, and in their context, they're ascribing value based on, you know, what we perceive your behavioral pattern is and therefore what your belief in God is. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Did you catch it? In other words, Jesus doesn't belong talking to these people. They don't have any value. They don't believe like we believe. They don't behave like we behave. They don't dress like we dress. And so Jesus shouldn't have anything to do with them. We should just cast them aside and not give them any value and not give them any attention and not give them our time. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. See, the religious leaders, they were all about just offer the sacrifice, but it doesn't really matter your heart condition. Just offer the sacrifice. Just jump through the religious hoops for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, have you ever seen someone at church and thought, why are they here? You ever seen someone walk in here and and, and you're thinking, they don't belong. You ever come in here and and saw someone that you don't like and thought, what are they doing in my church? Ooh. In fact, maybe they even sat in your seat. You see, that's how you create a very resistible environment. And Jesus says, and James says, guys, that's a heart issue. And therefore, it's a spiritual issue. See, <clears throat> when we act on those thoughts, we create an environment that people don't want to go, and for good reason. And so crossing by the grace of God, you have created an environment that people have, you know, the reputation, the the word on the street is the crossing is is a welcoming church. And I don't want that to change. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen, you know, unintentionally. It is very intentional. And that takes every single one of you and that takes me. That when we see someone, in fact, here's my challenge to you. Someone that you see that may be very different than you and you would maybe not normally approach someone that looks that way or, you know, is just, just seems different than you. Would you just go and introduce yourself to them? Would you, would you take that resistance and push through it? push through it because when you push through it you will find that you know what that that person that you might that might seem totally intimidating to you like they might be tatted up and you're just thinking oh man they're probably the meanest person on the planet and you're just going to find out you know what they're just another just another person have the same fears as you, same insecurities as you. It's interesting. I got to talk with this uh, guy from, from uh, Florida. He was a, uh, he and, I think he and I were about the same age. Um, and, uh, and it was just fun. He was, a, he was a, a colored guy from Florida, a Florida State fan. And uh, and so, he was given, giving me a bad time when, when Florida State beat us by this much for, our, you know, in 1993 for the, would have been uh, Tom Osmer's first national championship. And it would have been our national championship had the Phil Gold not gone wide left. And uh, And it was just fun because here was a guy that all these years later, we just sat down and had a great conversation in the airport waiting for an airplane. And I have no idea what his background is. I know he's a little misguided in the football team that he roots for, but... (laughs) But see, when you push through the barriers... It's just people. People that God loves. People that need desperately the rock to put a foundation on. So let's not be anything that would create a barrier for that to happen. Any type of a barrier that would keep people from making Jesus the rock of their life. So crossing, what would it look like if every single one of us, every single week, not only did we invite people that didn't look anything like us and, and probably didn't believe the way that we believe, but we interacted with all of the other people that you invite along with in such a way that they feel and know, you know what? Those people liked me. Those people made me feel welcome. Those people acted as if I was wanted there. Because they are. Let's create that type of environment. And if we do, I'm telling you, it's irresistible. Because it looks like Jesus. Just pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us right where we are. And thank you for loving us enough not to just leave us there and give us license to stay there, but challenge us to take a step in your direction. And Father, I just ask, by your grace, would you be willing to allow each one of us to take some self-awareness of places in our life where we we make discriminatory judgments that don't reflect the heart of God at all? God, would you help us to, to change it? Would you help us to push through the barriers that hold us back? And God, by your grace, would you help the crossing create an environment that's irresistible where people are welcome to come? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.